joining us online. We want you to know we haven't forgotten about So, in the same way, we want us to think about the fundamental ingredients that the Lord's church should have. Now, we could probably list several, but if I were to ask you, what would you say are the ingredients that you have to have in the Lord's church for it to be the Lord's church? Well, if you started thinking about some of those core ingredients, those must-have ingredients, you would probably say, you might, you might say love is first, right? You'd probably start there and say, you got to have love. God's love for us and our love for God. And I would say, another one that you probably would list, and it's the one we're going to talk about today, is truth. you got to have truth if you're going to be the Lord's church. And whose truth? Well, we're going to look at that. You've you got to have God's truth in that church if you're going to be His church. If you don't have chocolate chips in the chocolate chip cookies, you don't have chocolate chip cookies. If you don't have God's truth in the church, you don't have His church. And so we're going to, we're going to think about that as we think about the atmosphere of the church. And what we mean by that is the, the culture of that church. What is not, not the church in general, broadly speaking, but we're talking about this local congregation of the Lord's church, the Buller Church of Christ. What, what ingredients do we have, and do we have the right ones mixed in? And we said love would certainly be uh, vital, necessary, and absolute. But truth, God's truth, would be one that we would for sure uh, have to have in order to be His church. And so, what is it about the truth that we need to think about? You have to determine, is that church preaching and teaching and living out God's truth? And, and then you have to, you have to ask, um, essentially, are they getting Jesus right? We're going to see why that's so fundamental, why that's, why that's core to what. Are they getting Jesus right? See, you can say you love Jesus and still be wrong about him. You can still have false beliefs about him. You can still not believe right things about Jesus or about God. Uh, someone says, uh, my God wants, just wants me to be happy. And they, they aren't, if they say that, they aren't getting God right. That, that all God wants is for me to be happy. Well, who gets to define that happiness? When someone says that, they're saying, I get to define it. Whatever makes me happy then is what God wants Whatever it is that makes me feel happy, that's what he wants, and that's who God is. Well, that's not truth. That's not true. 
Uh, there's some things we might not like. There's some things that we might rather do it a different way. But we've got to decide, am I going to follow the truth of God's Word or not? See, when I say, for example, because it's a common belief that uh, 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 God just wants me to be happy. And His job is to be Grandpa in the sky who just he stays out of my way unless I need him to fix something for me so that I don't feel uncomfortable and so that I feel happy and he gives me what I want. See, that's a false belief about God. And if I believe that, then essentially I've made myself my own God and said, I dictate, I say what is true, and that is that God just wants me to be happy. Well, who said that? I said that. I came up with that, and that's not true. That's not true according to God's Word. But if I truly love Jesus, then it should drive me to want to know Him and understand Him correctly. See, my love ought to drive me to know Him. And it should drive me to want to know Him better and better. And, and, and I do that by studying His Word, by being in prayer uh, to God. And love will drive me to the truth. Because when you come to know Christ, you don't know everything. You don't have all the answers, and you don't have to. Sometimes that prevents people from becoming Christians. They say, well, I don't know enough. All you got to know is uh, he's the Son of God. He died for you so that you can be forgiven. And if you believe that he's your Savior, you can be baptized into Christ, put on Christ in baptism, forgiven of your sins, and have a home in heaven with him. And you're added to the Lord's church that day. Well, there's a lot you don't know. But you, because of your love, you, you, you dive into Scripture and you dive into assembling together to worship and to study and to pray and to serve, and you get to know Him more and more. So your love drives you to know the truth. Let's look at John 14 and see what Jesus said here. John 14, 6 through 11. Look at what Jesus said. See, we've got to get Jesus right if you're going to make chocolate chip cookies, you got to get the recipe. Now, there's some things in a recipe, right? You might decide, I'm going to add cinnamon, or I'm going to add, you know, this, this seasoning or this, this, this ingredient. And it's not necessary. It might be just the way you like it, or I'm going to sprinkle cheese on top of my soup. The soup is soup without it, but you want to add that. But there are certain things you have to have to get it right. And we're talking about getting Jesus right according to uh, truth. So Jesus says in John 14, 6 through 11, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it, it, it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So go back to verse 6. Jesus said some exclusive things. He says, he says exclusively that I, Jesus, am the way, the truth, and the life. What's he saying? 
He's saying anything else and anyone else ain't, right? That's an exclusive statement. He's saying there, that I'm not a way. He didn't say I'm a truth. He didn't say I'm a life or way to eternal life is what he means. He's saying I'm the way. That's singular. That's exclusive. I'm the truth. I'm the life. It's in me. So getting Jesus right, you get the way and the truth and the life right. So, so that helps us know that, that if I have a belief uh, about, about Jesus, about faith, about God, about anything, salvation, anything along those lines, and I can't substantiate it in the Word of God, then, then someone's got to change. Either, either the Word of God is wrong or I need to figure out, uh, I need to change my belief because I'm off somewhere. Because if He is the way and the truth and the life, then I need to go to see what He teaches, what His Word teaches, and believe that. And adjust my beliefs according to Him. See, many, many people believe they found answers to life and truth on their own. And they believe there's many paths to God or God in quotes, whatever that is. And, and as long as you're being your authentic self, then that's your truth. You hear that now, right? And, and I'm just following my truth. Well, yeah, but that, that's insane, <laughs> you sometimes want to say. Yes, but it's my truth and I'm being my authentic self. But we have to understand, if I want to know Christ, if I say I love Jesus, drive me to. true and right. And what I'm saying is that we've got to get Jesus right. And, and a core ingredient, a vital ingredient for the Lord's church is that it's got to get Jesus right. And when you're saying, no, this is Grace and truth. He's the Word. He is Himself. Look at Acts chapter 4. in the life. 
of His truth. See, I might, I Uh, to be in right, a right relationship with Him. Starting in verse 15, then we'll skip to 23. Jesus said, look at what he says. me, he will keep my what? Word. How am I going to keep the Word of God if I'm not going to the Word of God? How am I going to keep the Word of God if I'm not going to rightly and properly and soundly understand it? If I'm not studying it, if I'm not having a love for it. And Jesus continues, and my Father will love him and we will come in, uh, come to him and make our home with him. Verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So that tells me something. I can claim I love, claim I love Jesus. But if I'm not keeping his truth, you see that? If I'm not making sure I'm, I, I stay true to his word, then my claim for loving God is invalidated. It goes out the window. Now, I may still feel like I love God. I may still feel like, but my love ought to drive me to understand His truth. Does that make sense? I change my beliefs. I do better. I understand better. Okay? So, who does Jesus say will keep His commandments? Those who love Him. Whoever does not keep His commandments, it reveals, hey, you're not following His truth, so you need to check your love, because if you love, you'll be motivated to follow the truth of God. What does that have to do with the atmosphere of the church? We want to always have an atmosphere, we're saying, or a culture that seeks the truth of God's Word, to understand His truth, regardless of what I wish it said or wanted to say or grew up believing or heard somebody say. It doesn't matter. What does God's Word teach? 
And then we strive to be faithful to the teachings of Jesus. Now, and then what motivates us? What's our motivation? Not to be right to prove someone wrong. Not to be able to hit somebody over the head with the Bible. Not, not to, to be able to say, yeah, I'm right, we got all the answers right. What motivates us is our love for Jesus, you see? And then it's because of that love that we seek the truth, to know the truth, to grow in the truth, and we want to reach folks who don't know that truth. Why? Because we know the love of God, the love that God has for us, and we want them to know that love as well. So our motivation isn't to prove somebody wrong. Our motivation is to win lost souls because we know God's love for them. Now, oftentimes people will trade, I believe, truth for ministry, ministry in quotes. I think a lot of times people will do that. They may not realize that's what they're doing. But what does that mean? See, you can be at a church where you feel like I'm not doing something or there's not enough for me. Listen to those words. Listen to the thinking. And so I'm going to go over here. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just talking in general. I'm not talking about anything specific. And so I'm going to go somewhere where I can do something, but yet they sacrifice the truth. Do you see that? Sometimes we sacrifice truth or do that within itself. to win people for Christ. The goal isn't numbers in a door. The goal is, is winning people for Christ and then the rest takes care of itself. See, I think we will sometimes, people will do this and not even realize it sometimes, but they'll trade truth for what they believe is, well, at least I'm doing something for God. I'm busy. I have a thing to do. Does that make sense? And sometimes they'll even know they're sacrificing on some truth but they justify it and say, but at least I'm busy over here doing this ministry. Now, I understand where they're coming from because a church ought to be providing ministry things for people to do. And there are, have, have been things here to do, and we've been growing that and working on that. And I'm so thankful for our attention that, that we've been giving to that. And that's why we want every member involved in ministry. And guess what? There may be some things that we need to add so that we can have more people involved. Well, uh, we need to hear about those ideas if you hadn't already turned those in. And so, so we want all members involved. And see, the ba a, a, a person shouldn't have to choose. Does that make sense? Sometimes we force people to choose when we don't make sure there's enough to do. I'm not indicting us. I'm just talking about this issue. And so, but a person shouldn't have to choose truth, hearing the truth, believing the truth, versus ministry to do. But sometimes churches can do that. They just say, well, if I just preach the truth, people will come and that ought to be enough. No, people need something to do. People need things to be involved in. They want to live this out. They want to know, how can I get involved in my community? What can I do in my neighborhood? What can I do in the workplace? We need to, we need to help people. So a church, and by the way, how can you stand on truth and claim you're, you're standing on truth if you're not doing ministry. Because we see that, that good works are taught, that Jesus did that, and it's taught all throughout the New Testament to, to love your neighbor as yourself. So you can't stand on truth and do nothing because then you're not standing on truth. They have. 
have to go together, but it's easy to get lopsided on one of those. You have to have a balanced approach to that. So my encouragement to you is don't ever sacrifice truth for what seems to be ministry. What you ought, the way you ought to look at that is if I see a need, if I see a lack, if I see an opportunity, what if that means God brought me there to do that very thing? You see that? You see, sometimes, sometimes what we want is we want, we're accustomed to customization, aren't we? We're accustomed to getting it our way right away. We're accustomed to be able to, to, to personalize everything that we get. It, it, everything is tailored to our tastes. And, and if we're not careful, we can transfer that to the church. And what we sometimes want is to be able to walk in and say, oh, it perfectly fits me and caters to all of my tastes. We don't necessarily think that consciously. But sometimes we can think that unconsciously. But what you ought to look at it, the way you ought to look at it is, if there's a lack, if there's a need, if there's an opportunity that you've identified, maybe others have, maybe others haven't, maybe we haven't had the right people to do a thing, maybe it hadn't been the right time or opportunity, but then what if you saw it as God might have brought me here for such a time as this, to do that very thing where I see that need? Maybe that's what God gifted me to do. And maybe there's two or three other people that are just waiting for that right person to come along and know how to do that thing, and they're on board to do that thing to help you. So I want us to realize God might be using you instead of looking for the thing that is perfectly tailored to meet my needs and my satisfaction. Look at it as raising a hand instead of pointing a finger. Does that make sense? So what that does is it gets us into uh, working in servant mode instead of being served. It's two different ways to look at things. So as we finish, what am I saying? What am I saying? I'm saying that it's fundamental to the Lord's church, the atmosphere of the church, the active atmosphere, the culture of a church, to not only uh, fundamentally have that love for God and His love dwelling in us, but to have an atmosphere that loves the truth of God's Word, that seeks His truth motivated by our love for Him. And we want to know His truth and stand firm on His truth and preach His truth and make sure our beliefs are in line with the Word of God. And we want to believe His Word and teach it and preach it soundly. And then... Our ministries grow out of that truth, you see. So you don't compromise truth. You don't trade one for the other. Our ministries grow out of the truth of God's Word. Jesus said, I am the vine, in John 15, 5, and you are the branches. Look at this. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So, I, well, Jesus, I can do something without you. I do, a lot of people do things without you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you want to do my work, you got to be in me. Other efforts don't matter. Being in, in, in me, a right relationship with God, uh, standing on his truth, in love with him, that person who abides in him and he in them, they bear much fruit. Outside of Christ, those works aren't eternal works. But if we want to do eternal works in the name of Jesus, 
We abide in him, and we can't abide in him without bearing fruit. So if I'm not bearing fruit, I need to ask myself, am I abiding in him? Because if I'm abiding in him, I can't help it but to bear fruit. In my own life, in my family, in my community, or wherever God sends me to do my work. We want an atmosphere that bears much fruit as we remain in Christ and in his truth. That's what I'm trying to encourage us with. And I appreciate this congregation so much because that's been, uh, uh, been who this congregation is. And we're just only striving to continue to grow in that. And that means so much to me and I know this community. God has uh, even more great things in store for us here as we continue to do his work here. If we can help you this morning, pray for you, encourage you, study with you. Uh, and encourage you in any way. If you're ready to put on Christ in baptism, become a Christian, whatever your need is, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.